Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you download us from. Thank you very much for doing so. We, as usual, are brought to you by longevityplaybook.com and lifesfirstnaturals.com. Life's First Naturals, the makers of both bovine colostrum and true biotics, go to their website to find out the randomized double-blind studies that show what they do and how well that, for example, bovine colostrum prevents upper respiratory infections. Now it's been shown in kids as well as in adults to do so in a very effective way, but you want to look at the data. It's on their website, lifesfirstnaturals.com. Today our guest is Andre Solo. He is the co-author of the best-selling book, Sensitive, The Hidden Power of Highly Sensitive Person in a Loud, Fast, Too Much World. He's also the author and co-founder of Sensitive Refuge, the world's largest website for sensitive people. And we'll find out what a sensitive person is. Maybe I'm not one, but we'll find out what a sensitive person is in a few minutes. Solo has spoken about sensitive people at Google, Amazon, PayPal, writes about sensitivity at Forbes, has been featured in Time, The Washington Post, Oprah Daily, and others. He believes he's a sensitive person and believe the world needs more of what sensitive people have to offer. Andre, what's the difference between empathetic and sensitive? Ooh, that's a fun question. So... If you're a sensitive person, you will, on average, score higher for empathy than other people. But being sensitive is a trait that goes a long ways beyond that. So when we talk about being sensitive, I think a lot of people think of being weak or vulnerable or maybe someone who overreacts to things. And that's just really not what we mean when we talk about a human temperament trait. So as part of the human temperament, being sensitive means that you take in more information from the world around you and you do more with it. So sensitive people are actually wired at a brain level to process all information more deeply, which means that they put more attention, more time, and more mental resources into sort of sifting through and thinking and ruminating on whatever it is that they're picking up. As a result, they tend to make connections that other people miss, and they tend to notice details that other people don't see, and it can lead to a lot of powerful gifts, but it also means you can get overstimulated easily. Are women more sensitive than men in general? In other words, you speak in the book about the genetic wiring of this. Is this linked in some way to the X chromosome or linked in some way to the Y chromosome or linked in some way to a hormonal difference? Right. Yeah. So not at all. That's a surprising fact. So sensitivity is a continuum like most personality traits. And that means that the majority of people are in the middle. They're sort of average for sensitivity. Some are low and about 30% of people score high for sensitivity. And that number is the same for men and women. And as far as we can tell for people of all genders. Is it a learned trait? In other words, one of the things you speak of in the book, one of my takeaways is When I go into a room, I don't look at everyone. I look at a few people and go towards that group and go towards talking with that group. You speak about a sensitive person will look at the whole room and will talk about emotions. Is that a difference between sensitive and non-sensitive persons? Not that I want to typify, 
myself as non-sensitive, but I do not look at everyone in the room. Yeah, that's a really good question. So as far as the genes go, so, you know, I think the answer that to most questions of is it, is it genes or is it your upbringing is it's both. And that's certainly true here with sensitivity as well, but it is very heavily genetic. And there's sort of an interesting interplay between the two. So if you think of your genes as sort of putting you in a ballpark somewhere on the continuum of sensitivity, a person will be born with the genes to either be, you know, generally speaking, average sensitivity or generally high or generally low. And they're going to be somewhere in that ballpark for life. But your life experiences can move you up or down. They can kind of fine-tune you within that part of the continuum. And there's certain environments that cause people to become slightly more sensitive to their environment and their surroundings. And an average middle-of-the-road environment that the average person has does not do that. It, does, it might even decrease your sensitivity a little bit. But the people who become more sensitive over the course of their life, especially over the course of their childhood, are people who have the extreme environments, the best or the worst environments. So if a child is unfortunately in maybe an abusive home or something like that, they're not having their needs met, they will sometimes become more sensitive because it makes them more alert to their surroundings. Processing that extra information, getting more details, allows them to clue in when an adult's going to be angry or something's going to go wrong so they can kind of protect themselves. But the opposite is also true. That's the fascinating thing, is that the kids who have the most supportive, the most loving homes with just very well-adjusted parents also become higher in sensitivity. And that's because if you can absorb more from one of the best environments you'll ever get, that's going to pay off for you big time. Let me ask you about physicians. Most doctors in training come in as wanting to do good for the world, and as I perceive, very sensitive. And then through the demands of basically internship and residency, and then even practice the time limitations, we beat the living crap out of them so they aren't sensitive. <laughs> right. And so we train them to a great degree through tapes and other things. Cleveland Clinic has the most watched tape on empathy. We train them on empathy. But it is almost like we've beaten the heck of it. We beat the sensitivity out of them, and now we're trying to give a little of it back. What's your perception? I don't know if you have a, any experience with that process in medicine in a study setting to know, is my perception any place near correct? Yeah, I think your perception is spot on. I think sensitivity is a great asset in any of the caring professions and perhaps maybe above all in medicine. And it's absolutely true that I think a lot of people who are drawn to be physicians are going to come in with a real sense of empathy, a real desire to help people, and they're going to really get a challenge. They're going to go through a lot. They're going to get strained and exhausted and burned out. And this is a real, I think the, the burnout crisis is especially big for physicians. But two things we know. One is that empathy does actually, certainly it improves how patients feel about the physician, right? But it seems to also improve outcomes in some cases, which makes sense if you think about it, that a, a patient who really feels a connection with you, you're warm toward them, they trust you, they're more likely to speak up, give you more detail, tell you when something's wrong or something hurts, and maybe even speak up when they think you're on the wrong track and clarify something. But the other thing that we often forget as part of sensitivity is a sensitivity to your physical environment and all the details going on around you. There are very few professions where details, tiny details, matter more than in medicine. And one of the gifts of sensitive people is that they're very high in what my co-author and I call sensory intelligence, which is being aware of the tiny details of the world around you. 
but that's called situational awareness in medicine. And this is something that now increasingly hospitals will give extra training to their staff on to be situationally aware, because if you can notice a tiny change in someone's breathing before it becomes a big issue, you might end up saving a life. And so whether it's in the surgery room or in the ER, just any kind of medical setting, that kind of situational awareness that sensitive people bring is a huge asset. We're often trained, and we do this with our third-year medical students a lot, is have them come into a room with a patient, an ICU room usually, to describe what they see as a way of seeing if they can figure out what is happening to the patient before, without talking to the patient, without talking to any of the physicians, just by observing. One of the things that is, I think, very interesting is if you look at today's world, you would say that the leaders of Disney, both the prior and the current chair, were sensitive to their employees and then have gotten the heck, tried to be kicked out of them, I don't know whether it is kicked out of them, by a political process in Florida. Is a CEO who is sensitive do better in general than one who isn't? Or is it the one who is just focused on the straight and narrow that does best? So I think this is a, a counterintuitive answer to many people. Over and over, it does seem like sensitive people make exceptional leaders. And sensitivity is actually an asset in leadership. We often think of the best leader as being the person who is bold, assertive, quick to act, shoots from the hip, they make a gut decision and go with it, and they might be willing to be quite callous if needed to get something done. And that can work in certain circumstances, but what we know from decades of leadership research is it's often not the most effective leader, especially long-term. The most effective leaders tend to show traits like humility. They tend to take a lot of extra time talking to the people under them to get information to make decisions, bringing in experts, looking at data, going things over things twice, or having somebody under them do so so that they're making really informed, good, long-term decisions. They also tend to focus a lot on good buy-in from the people who are on their team. So they are good at reading social cues, at knowing what people care about, at rallying people around a vision or a mission or an objective. And these are all traits that sensitive people are, are particularly good at. And you do have a chapter on this. Yeah, we sure do. Called More Than Just a Paycheck, Chapter 8. <laughs> yes. And that is that you also go into, and I, I love this, the best jobs for sensitive people, one, any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really any, any job you want to do. <laughs> right. But anyway, now I know you have a gathering place for, if you will, sensitive people, but what I'm wondering is, tell me um, the goal in writing the book. Were you, were you trying to get people to understand the process, or were you trying to say to sensitive people there is a value? Give me the bottom line, and what drove you to write the book, and why do you and uh, Jen Graneman get together on this? Yeah, absolutely. So I've always been a sensitive person, and as a kid, I can remember starting kindergarten, and I did just fine in the classroom. But when we would go out to recess, suddenly there's kids running everywhere, yelling, playing, it's loud, and I would get overstimulated. And I didn't know that that's what it was, but I would actually run away and hide to get away from all the noise and all the chaos. And the only place I could find to hide that was quiet 
was actually a little storm sewer opening on the edge of the school property. So I'd go over there and hide in this little storm sewer. It was nice and quiet until the recess was over. Then I'd come back. And that got me into a heap of trouble. They don't like it when kids hide in sewers, it turns out. So, <laughs> so that was when I first realized, first of all, that I'm different. And secondly, I began to think of it as there's something wrong with me. And that's what I thought for a big chunk of my life. It wasn't until I was an adult and started really researching the science of sensitivity that I realized, wow, not only is this a normal, healthy personality trait, but it's, it's actually one that's linked to a lot of gifts. And that's, I think, what Jen and I really wanted to do for all the sensitive people out there. I think many sensitive people get the impression that there's something wrong with them. People see it as a weakness. There's a stigma around being sensitive and they feel that they have to hide it. And we want you to know that, no, you're not broken. You're gifted. You have powerful gifts. And if you start to embrace your sensitivity, it's going to really pay off for you. I realize this is a question that I didn't see in the book, but do sensitive people avoid going to loud events like concerts and basketball games? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, <laughs> at least if, if they have any say in it, they do. It's funny because, you know, sensitive people, just like anyone else, you can be an introvert or an extrovert. There's plenty of extroverted sensitive people. But even an extroverted sensitive person is going to behave a little bit differently than how we think of extroverts behaving. So, for example, a sensitive extrovert, they might love their people time. They might get energy from socializing, but they're not going to enjoy being in a crowded conference room or a huge convention center and a networking event with hundreds of people. They're going to want to meet two or three friends for quiet conversation at a quiet restaurant rather than a crowded bar. And that's going to be really satisfying to them. But anything more than that, it could be overstimulating if they have to go for too long. We've been talking with... Andre Solo, he and Jen Graneman, G-R-A-N-N-E-M-A-N, wrote the book Sensitive, The Hidden Power of Highly Sensitive Person in a Loud, Fast, Too Much World. He is also the proprietor and the originator of Sensitive Refuge. Is that the correct website? That's right, yeah, sensitiverefuge.com and has written a, what I would call, very interesting and informative book, informative for those of us who probably aren't sensitive, and maybe for those who are sensitive as well. I can't judge that, probably. <laughs> In any case, the book, again, Sensitive, on Amazon and hopefully at your local independent bookstore. This has been 1149B. The Bs are always interviews with wonderful guests as Andre Solo has been. The A's are always the latest medical news of the week and what it means to you. You are listening to You, the Owner's Manual podcast, 1149B. Remember, go to our sponsor's websites, lifesfirstnaturals.com, the makers of True Biotics, and see their data on how it changes vaginal health and urinary tract infection risk. It's double-blind, randomized, controlled, as well as they have a genus of bacteria, that is a species of bacteria, that is in their probiotic that improves bone health. And you're going to want to also look at bovine colostrum for preventing upper respiratory infections. The other website, mine, of course, longevityplaybook.com. We curate longevity choices for you so you don't waste time or money or go down pathways that may not be ideal. It's like having me in your pocket. This has been Dr. Mike Royzen. Thank you for downloading us.
you're what motivates us. Tell your friends about us. 50,000 of you a week can't all be wrong. Hopefully you're all right. Thanks again.